Hey, what's up, everyone? And welcome to another episode of We Need to Talk. We only have eight more episodes left of We Need to Talk, and then season five will come to a close. But in those last eight episodes, the guests I will have on the show and the conversations that we'll be having are absolutely needed. As is the case with my guest today, she is a CEO, a fashion model, and a behavioral scientist. She's passionate about paving the way for understanding the brain function of the creative mind, as well as handling conversations within companies pertaining to mental health and aspects of social justice. Through her company, Entertainment Mindframe, she has worked with a number of talent agencies, production companies, fashions, and sports teams to help them optimize creativity, enhance their business practices, and encourage individual and company growth. Adair Byerly, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Of course. I'm really excited to talk to you because I think what you do is is really fascinating and it's very unique. And mm-hmm. I, I always love learning about something that I wasn't aware of. And mm-hmm. I really am excited to talk about the purpose behind what you do. So I want to go back to the beginning before you started your company, when you were really active in your industry of modeling and you realized there was a need for what you created. Because as my listeners know, I'm a huge proponent of people becoming the thing that they didn't have and creating something where there's a hole in a field or a hole in an industry. And you're like, you know what, I'm going to be the person that creates that. And that seems very apparent that that's what you did. So what was your experience that kind of led you to go down this career path and create this company? Well, I would say that just having a lot of negative experiences in the industry and then talking to other professionals in the entertainment industry or fashion industry who were experiencing the same thing, no matter what level you're on. Um, and it was just considered normal. So I could not, you know, understand how people wanted to stay in that and continue to work. But I also saw the same results where people were being mentally exhausted or they were going into some type of mental challenges, whether it was um, depression or their anxiety would be sky high. Um, And then that results in like, you know, anger outbursts, power plays. um, Even sometimes you just do things that you shouldn't do, be around people you shouldn't be around, put yourself in situations you shouldn't be in um, just to try and ease, you know, the, the uh, experiencing experience that you're having. So I personally, from, experiencing that I was like I don't want to be a part of this at all it made me really hold back in my career actually it made me have a hate for the industry Mm. and but because I was so good at what I did I was always pulled back into it right so someone would contact me and I was like okay I'll do it it pays well (laughs) I'll do it um and then I said I always wanted to do it so I had this love and hate relationship and then instead of running from it and going to my hiatuses that I always had once every couple of years, mm-hmm. um, I was like, let me just do something about it. Let me just try and, and see if I can understand what's going on because um, people are people, right? We're just in a different industry. It doesn't mean that the, the brain functions any differently or the body yeah. responds any differently. It's the same mechanism. It's just in another environment. So I just started looking at patterns and then I put together my personal love for science and just dug my head into that for like five years. Um, And then I branched them together. So, and that's what brought me to 
entertainment mind frame. <laughs> That's incredible. So for you, when you go into work with a company or let's say you pitch your company to another company, what do you say? What is kind of your, your pitch and saying like, this is what I can help your company accomplish or help your group of people accomplish? Uh, to be honest, I haven't had to do too many pitches um, only because once I did my first like once I did my first like teaching um, with a, it was a small fashion group that I, that I worked with. Um, it just kind of spread really quickly. And incredible. <laughs> yeah. And then people were like, this girl, like she's doing something that hasn't really been done before. And um, it works. And yeah. it just seems kind of, <laughs> I didn't think it would happen because I was like, how, how in the world am I going to make uh, the brain, you know, glamorous to a world that doesn't really care about anything but external, you know, what you, what you have to offer, whether it's your talent yeah. or and, and your performance or, as well. Yeah. So I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And plus, you know, when you're working on the brain or even paying attention to anything internal, it can be uncomfortable Right. Just the thought of it is uncomfortable. You're like, I don't want to work on myself. I'm going to bring up stuff I don't want to deal with. (laughs) So I thought I was going to have a lot of pushback. But I think my approach um, is I I don't do a therapeutic approach because I think when people think about therapy, they have this guilt feeling afterwards and then Mm. things come up and they're like, "Okay, I can't deal with this. So they just don't want to do it anymore. So I, I make sure I stay away from a therapeutic approach. Um, but we always, we always talk about things that everybody's usually experiencing, even if, even though everybody's different, even different backgrounds and everything. Um, I always explain the dynamic of the industry. I'll learn about the team. I'll learn about whichever sector it is, whether it's entertainment, fashion, sports, because those are a little different. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you learn the pressures, you know, and the speed of those industries, um, then you can kind of uh, pinpoint what might be going on, at least across the board in people's minds, mm-hmm. you know, because the brain, technically, everybody's brain is a little bit different, different, but ultimately it's wired the same. Yeah. So you're going to have a lot of the same production of hormones. You're going to have a similar response in your nervous system. So that helps explain to people why there's tension, why um, you're angry, (laughs) why uh, I just want to get up and quit and go away and not do this anymore, Um, why you exhaust yourself as a creative. Um, So my, I would say that I like working most with creatives. They're kind of my focus point because they're very wild and free. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And they um they usually have a lot of trauma Mm. most creatives have a lot of trauma and their their expression and their gift or their talent is a way for them to cope with trauma that they've had in their life so um you know i love working with creatives because there's they just don't really have a lot of limits in terms of what they would like to do mm-hmm. but it's funny because on the other hand they're scared of limitations they hate limitations they hate guidelines <laughs> they hate rules yeah. yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so when i come in and i work with them 
sometimes they're hesitant. Um, but when they realize that I'm not taking anything away from them, then, I mean, it's usually very, very harmonious. So when someone does seek you out, what is a common goal that they want to achieve after they finished working with you? Usually, since I work with teams, it's for communication basis mm. um, or to, um, you know, speed up um, a project or working together, like being more efficient working mm. together. Because when you have a team of creatives, you have a team of people who believe they can do anything like that one person can do everything right they we all think that because creatives are good at solving problems yeah (laughs) so but it doesn't mean that we're good at everything so to narrow down and find okay this person has this superpower okay and this person has this superpower it doesn't mean you can't do other things it's just we're going to focus on your one superpower so once i get everyone to identify what that superpower is, then focus on that. It seems to work great. Mm. It's, it's really interesting. It's just tiny little things like that. I have them do exercises sometimes that help show their brain, like how their brain is responding to things. Um, one of the things I would do, which was really cool to me, and even to them every time they do it, um, is when I talk about change. Okay. And I tell people that change in the brain is associated with losing something, right? So we're very hesitant to change. We don't really like change. Even if we know it's good for us, at some point we'll start getting cold feet and we'll get nervous. And it feels like, um, because it is, it's unfamiliar territory. And our brain doesn't like things that we don't know. Right. So what I'll do is I'll have two people face each other or everybody in the room face each other, same person three times. And each time I tell them to change something on them and nine times out of 10, they don't change anything. They just take something away. So that is a representation of how our mind subconsciously, um, you know, takes in what change is. It means that we lost something or that we're losing something. Mm. So and we don't even think about it like that. Yeah. We don't think about it at all. And we always talk about change and uh, progress and, uh, you know, progression, even in, even with society and, and racial issues, like everything's changing and it's getting better, but, but really the brain associates change with a negative uh, result. So it's just interesting. I like to show people things like that and it usually helps them understand. Understanding is really the key to healing. Everything. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I love, first of all, I do love that, that exercise. I think that I could see how that would be very, very powerful and very useful to teams. But even when you're talking about, you know, people are afraid of change with society and they associate it with something negative. It, you know, when we make progress, that's what we talk about progressive and conservatives, like conservatives, they want to conserve what they already know because it's what they're comfortable with and what they're used to and progressives want to move forward and with change because they think that that will be better. And I, I wonder, like, it would be amazing if you could just do this with the whole country, your, your exercises so that (laughs) we could just, you know, get to a point of unity in some way. But I wonder how, 
you can't effectively do that when it comes to social change. You know, have you had to do you know any kind of diversity workshops or training in, in terms of that for companies? You know, in terms of um, you know getting people used to the change of the makeup of their companies. I haven't done it, but me and my neuroscientists and the psychologists I work with, we have all studied it deeply. We've all kind of come up with how we would approach it, and it's a very very um, it's a sensitive topic to talk about because I don't believe that society understands how deep it goes. Mm-hmm. And it's not even about emotion. It, this is about, um, like a, on a scientific side, we'll just take everything you believe out of it. On the scientific side of things, um, your DNA is affected by what happened racially years ago. So I don't know if you ever heard of the book um, Trust Post Traumatic Slave Syndrome mm-hmm. and how that trauma is in our DNA. Yeah, and she yeah. talks about that, and that's yeah. that's epigenetics. And what happens is stress negatively affects your telomeres, um, and your telomeres is the cap on your DNA. And if that is if that is messed up at all or damaged at all, that can be passed down through your bloodline. Um, It doesn't mean that you automatically obtain that person's trauma. It just means that your DNA may have a harder time lasting. So that may be why you see, um, you know, predisposed families with um, cancer or, diabetes it's just there's so many parts of it so i'm like if we we were talking about doing it from a neurological perspective so if we could show how the mind is psychologically uh programmed to respond to people of color then i think then we would be able to do this effectively because Mm. we can talk about it all day we can say okay, well, we're going to make a change. So we're just going to hire more people of color or we're going to hire more women. But that doesn't mean that you're changing your makeup. You're just changing the environment. And eventually, you know, you'll program yourself from the outside in, but the most effective way to do it is inside out. So it's just, it's very, it's just really deep. It's very deep. It's, it's very, um, but it's doable. It's doable. It's just, it's, it's, it's work. It's neurological work. And I think it's harder the older you get, because even if you adjust your environment and let's say you are a non-melanated person and you are now exposed to being around all melanated people, that's an adjustment for you. But if Uh we start with that kind of exposure at a young age, it's not going to be an issue when they get older. And that's why I always talk about like, you got to expose your kids to diversity. You have to have kids, you know, of color in your, in your children's lives, et cetera, et cetera, because it's so important. But I can only imagine if you're like in your thirties or forties and you start to change the environment, it's not going to change what you are already thinking and those kind of stereotypes that you have built up in your mind or those misconceptions uh-huh. that you have built up in your mind about people of color because by yeah. that age you're kind of set in your ways and your thoughts yeah it's a bias it's a very deep um bias and it's hard to um pinpoint. it's not something that can be done in a conversation these are things that 
uh, when me and my neuroscientists were talking about it, we were like, we're literally going to have to hook people up to machines and put images in front of their face so we can show them what their nervous system is doing because your nervous system will be feeling something completely different than what you say. Yeah. So it's just really, and it goes all the way back to like the, the belief systems, they date back to the sixth century with, uh, there's this book that I love. It's called the powers of evil. And it talks about, it really actually, it's not, it wasn't even written by, by an African-American man, but it just talks about how black was associated with negative connotations. Absolutely. Um, and it takes you all through different religions and how, um, how it, it's basically talking about our psychology and why mm-hmm. we believe the things that we believe. Yeah. Um, so even for the sake, that, like black is always associated like the color black, like funerals or like black mm-hmm. crows, black cats. Like it's mm-hmm. always something dark and negative. So it black is. people are going to have that pinned on them as well. Unfortunately. Yeah, absolutely. You're right. And that's what that book um, talks about. Now yeah. it's, it's interesting because they don't really go into color uh, of people, but mm. you do talk about the difference in darkness and lightness. And um, for, the sake of um, his argument when he was explaining this is he used um, the Bible because that's the most primitive book of study that we have. Yeah. And, you know, the first part of the book says in the beginning, God created, you know, heaven and earth and he separated it. He separated it by saying, let there be light. Right. So the light was the awareness. It was life. It was good. And then everything in the dark was not everything that was hard to see everything that was um, dim was all a negative connotation. Mm -hmm. So from the beginning of saying this is light and then this is dark. I mean, even the, even the historical paintings, right. You go back and you'll see uh, the difference in what an angel looked like versus what a demon looked like. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so it's just crazy how, you know, that has been put into our minds so much so that we regurgitate it with our fashion. We regurgitate it in the modeling industry, yep. in the entertainment industry. You'll see it. You'll see it uh, big time. So it's just, it's, it's crazy that people don't, you know, you have to like break all that down. And then people are like, oh, I never thought about that. And yeah. I was like, yeah, because it's really, really, really deep. It is. We've been doing this for a long, 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 long time. (laughs) (laughs) When you get into kind of the root of certain problems and certain issues and you're trying to cultivate these, I mean, it is, it does create a positive and a better environment, right? Even though environment is the, it's the surface, right? What has been the biggest pushback that you may have received in the work that you're doing and trying to create a more positive environment and understanding other people, how they work, their practices and so on and so forth. Ooh, uh, the biggest pushback. The hardest thing for me is people who, and it's not a lot of people, but every now and then you run into these people that have these power complexes. Um, And because they've been in a position of, leadership or power for so long, or maybe they have a lot of money or uh, they have a lot of control. Those are the hardest ones, the hardest Mm. ones, um, because they're the ones that you don't tell 
what to do about anything. They tell yeah. people what to do. Yeah. So the ego of dealing with those type of characters, especially in a film industry production, it's probably the worst in production out of, mm. out of every single, even, even out of all the celebrity clientele I've had, the production has been the hardest um, because you just have some people. And to be honest, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not a licensed doctor. I can't, I can't, you know, diagnose anybody, but I will say that there are a lot of those type of people who have mm -hmm. very high narcissistic traits. Yeah. So yes. when you're dealing with those type of mentalities, um, it's almost impossible. And I've, right. I've had to, I've had to walk away from a few people that are because of that, because I can tell that, you know, you're, we're just not going to get anywhere and you right. really don't want your team to get anywhere. You, mm -hmm. you just want people to listen to you. Right. But yeah. you're not right. So, and we've seen this, we saw this with that huge, um, me too movement that came out. And then all these men <laughs> that were doing all these things for so long and using it as power were finally exposed and they thought that at, at some point that I, I would never be touched because they've never been held accountable before which like <laughs> mm -hmm. people are just now feeling brave enough to do it. that doesn't mean what you were doing in the past was right <laughs> people just feel a little bit more empowered now right so but in your work with creatives what have you discovered that connects them in terms of how their mind works and how their mind functions one of the cool things I'll say that, that creatives actually are able to do. And this is, this actually happens from a neurological standpoint, like a cellular level, just like a tiny little part in our brain that we can't even see. Um, but it's, it's creative's ability to go surpass what they don't know because automatically our brains are wired to keep us alive. Mm -hmm. We are supposed to choose the path of least resistance. That makes the most sense. We're not going to go off and drive a new path to work. We're going to keep driving the same road that we know gets us there the fastest. So creatives have this ability to go outside of that. They have this ability to say, okay, this makes me uncomfortable, but I'm going to explore it anyway. And that's really, that's really amazing because our fight or flight or the oldest part of our brain, our reptilian brain tells us not to do that. Mm. So you're going against something, you know, that most people have a hard time going outside of. So I tell them all the time, I'm like, you guys don't realize just by creating, you're, you're literally surpassing the limitations of your mind and you don't even realize it. Yeah. That's, a, that's very powerful to be able to do because then you can create your own reality. And creativity basically is creating a world that doesn't exist yet. Right. You know? Yeah. So it's really cool to think about it in those terms. Like, guys, you're doing something that's not really normal. That's yeah. the difference between people that can have this type of success versus people that choose to, you know, stay where maybe they grew up or, you know, work the same job that their grandfather worked and you know, their parents worked and they don't really explore their identity outside of that. That's the biggest difference. That's really fascinating. And it makes complete mm -hmm. sense. Just like thinking, being a creative myself and, you know, having been surrounded by mostly creatives, that completely makes sense. 
I want to say also that creatives tend to have more emotions in our responses <laughs> to things yeah. are different, you know, and I'm sure that you've come across that just in the work that you've mm -hmm. done and the, and the people that you've oh, yeah. been around. Yep. Yep. Uh, the emotional brain is usually the leading decision maker with most yeah. creatives. Yeah. And um, the crazy part about that is your emotional brain is that's never going to go away, right? Like your emotions are normal. That's the first thing that is going to happen in your nervous system. And then after that is the cognitive part. And that's your analytical thinking. That's, that is the prefrontal cortex. That's the most developed part of our brain. So sometimes it only stops at the emotional brain. So when I work with creatives, I'm like, okay, listen, now your emotions aren't bad because that's really kind of the inspiring juices that get them to do the things that they want to do or, mm -hmm. or need to do, or, you know, how to perform or, or make some magnificent piece of art, whether that is writing or dancing or whatever it is that you do. Um, but I try to separate it for them in terms of business, you know, that the problem is, is you're so used to doing that with your art um, that you have programmed your brain to respond automatically, even in business. So when someone doesn't do something you don't like, <laughs> or you have an opportunity that seems to be a great opportunity, but there's some challenges in between there. You can actually mess it up because you're so used to responding with your emotional brain yeah. that yeah. you do not understand, right? That, okay, if I just give myself a few more seconds, I can give you the right answer. Right. Or right. even if I just give myself a day, I'll give you the right answer. So that is also, um, that's very common. A yeah. That's a very common one. And, but that's where I help them. That's yeah. where I come in. And I'm like, okay, well, good thing is, is your reasoning doesn't stop here. You know, we can go a little bit further and just think about it. Literally breathe, breathing, breathing is yeah. a huge, <laughs> listen, <laughs> they've been able to show scientifically that mindfulness does help integrate your memories and what you're feeling and it keeps you very present with what you're doing and mm -hmm. then you're able to make more logical decisions which is crazy who thought that breath could do that but breathing is a difference between those the people that stay alive in very stressful situations versus those that don't yeah so you know we um the neuroscientist that um i consult a lot she's a mindfulness certified scientist so she does a lot of trainings for for people in in breathing and, and mindfulness and how that just helps you make the right decision which mm -hmm. is crazy but it is it's that simple it's just little things that we don't do but that's why um like when people get angry and they have to calm down yeah. or cool off that cool off stage is really the stage of just them breathing, taking yeah. time to themselves. Yeah. Give me a couple of days, however many days it takes. Take a deep breath. All and that. then yeah. I'll feel better because your nervous system is like shooting fire. Right. And then when you breathe, it just cools it down. It's, yeah. I mean, it's crazy, but yeah. So those are, you're right. Mm -hmm. That's a huge. <laughs> <laughs> creative in our emotions. We got to yeah. learn to, to really, it's so funny because I'm the creative in the family. And then my husband, he's a lawyer. So he's very like analytical about everything. Right? Wow. I, that it's is very, so it's a, cool. It's an interesting pair, but he does know how to deal with me 
in that sense. Like he does know how to rein me in because we've been together for forever. Right. So he knows like, Oh, you're going to be emotional about this, but this is what the situation is. And I do know how to take a step back and breathe and calm. So he really is the, the yin to my yang, which it's a really a blessing to have my absolute, you know, other half. That is awesome. Yeah. You no, know, it's, it's amazing. It's a blessing for sure. What I do want to ask you is in, in, in the companies that you've worked with, you know, when you're working on, personalities and how people work has there been an emphasis on mental health as well oh yeah so in regards to mental health which is not i really don't like the word because the word is associated with uh, something's wrong with you right yeah so when we talk about it i mean i still use the word because i know that that's what society helps until we find something about (laughs) but but i'll try to say stuff like um you know, like mental wellness or something. That way people don't like automatically that, yeah. feel guilty because for some reason, when you say mental health, there is just this negative connotation on it. There is, um, it's, it's just not really truly understood. But because of that, I would say it's probably a leading factor, um, especially dealing with creatives and, yeah. and, and really anybody in these type of fast-paced industries you know, people don't think about that. People don't think that, you know, what you experience all the time can actually develop mental challenges. And that can turn that can turn into depression, that can turn into anxiety. And these things are just an imbalance of hormones. Really, that's all it is. It's just certain hormones stop being produced at the level they're used to. And then you will literally feel bad and you won't know why. But yes, so I would say anxiety is the number one thing that I see common. Um, in workplaces, just because usually the um, the pro- the productivity um, and then the the requirements, like there's always yeah. you just have to give, 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 even if you don't feel like it. Right. So, and you see that in any industry, any you see it in any industry. Um, but yeah, I work with. Man, I, I work with people that tell me so many things, like whether I deal with ADHD or I deal with severe depression or clinical depression, um, post-traumatic stress disorder. Mm. Um, that's a really common one. There's a yeah. lot of people that yeah. have PTSD and it can be from anger. It could be from whatever it is you're, you've experienced. So you have all, just think about this, right? You have all these different people coming with all these different experiences and they all have these different mental challenges. So the mental health bucket is like large, you know, and to help people understand what's going on in their brain when that's taking place. Cause there are some things you can do to help hack um, anxiety or help hack depression. For sure. Um, but, you know, when you start getting to the level of, okay, we got to have clinician talk to this person because they're, they were born this way or their, their brain just wasn't fully developed a certain way. Um, that's a little harder, but I haven't, ha- I haven't ran into that. Most of, most of the people that I've worked with, well, I'll, I'll say all of them so far. Everyone I've worked with so far has their mental health has been challenged by the work that they do or the experiences that they've had. Mm. So they'll, they'll notice a difference in themselves and they'll say like, I don't feel the same or I can't do the same things like I used to. So, but when we, when we talk about 
um, the, cause I, like I said, I work from the inside out. So when I'm talking about your cells and I'm talking about things that you can do to make you feel better. And I show them that in the moment and they can actually feel a change in their body. It's not magic. It's not, we all have the ability to do this. It's just yeah. understanding your brain. So when they realize that they have more control over it than they think they do, like, it's just, a, it, I'm so surprised every time how, how quick we find solutions. Mm. It's really amazing. It's just the only thing is keeping up with it. Yeah. Right. So you just yeah. got to keep up with the work. So one of the things like probably the most common thing that people do um, or they say to do to make you feel better is exercise. Right. I don't tell people to exercise, but I'm just giving this as an example. Yeah. So when you exercise, <laughs> you don't necessarily want to do it. Okay. You don't really have the energy to do it. At least you don't think you have the energy to do yeah. it. You don't feel like doing it. You're not inspired to do it. That's the biggest problem. We always want to be inspired to do something. Um, Especially creative. But then, yeah, yeah, we gotta, we gotta have, yeah, we gotta be, we gotta have inspiration. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but if you do it, if you get up and do it, now you've you're producing like oxytocin and you're producing. Uh, dopamine and these are both very addicting components that you find in medications uh, that you can actually have you know addictions to yeah and you can create that yourself and then you'll feel you'll actually feel better right after or later yes you'll be tired yes you'll be sore but your brain is actually working better you just have to sacrifice everything else to get yeah. that so exercising yeah. your brain requires sacrifices in other parts of your body how does what you do differ from just knowing like those basic um, personality tests or like strength tests because it seems like you do go a step further but just for the listeners like in explaining how does it go past that because you know what I'm talking about like with the Myers oh, yeah. Briggs how does what you do differ from that yeah well because those are i love those by the way i think they're really cool i don't use them with what i do but um those are a very good general idea of like okay well this person's like this but then again people also have to believe that um belief systems are very hard to work with because they are the core of everyone's perspective mm. and that is their reality so if I gave, you know, a personality test to a team and somebody on the team didn't believe in it, like, okay, I don't believe there's only 16 personalities, <laughs> you know? So, you know, you know what I'm saying? So I can't, yeah, for sure. I try not to do things that are based on belief, even yeah. with myself. Like I, I make sure that I keep my own belief systems out of things that I teach and things that I do with teams. Um, because to be honest, there's a lot of things I don't agree with, mm -hmm. you know? especially mm -hmm. when people are telling me things and I'm like, Oh my God, <laughs> I have to keep it in confidentiality, but I'm like, I don't agree with this, but I have to keep that. I For have sure. to keep that away. For sure. And, um, you know, going, just sticking to the science of people and the human mind and behavior. Um, it seems to be a thoroughly effective way to approach things because your personality test will just kind of give you an idea of the type of people that you're dealing with, mm -hmm. but it won't tell you how to work with those people. Mm -hmm. um, and it won't tell you how to come up with solutions with those people. And it won't tell you how 
to dig into your belief systems and find out where you might be incorrect mm-hmm. with your perception. So, um, you know, I would say it, it's a step further just with the science and then actually giving solutions. The reason why personality tests are so effective is because people really love learning about themselves a lot. Like even if it's not true, if we can read something about us, um, we like it. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. that's why people are so addicted to horoscopes and, you know, all kinds of things that if you get a a bottle and you open the cap and says something on the cap about you, or fortune cookies, like, you know, we just want to believe a lot of things about ourselves, especially if it makes us sound good. Absolutely. Well, I think what you do is so fascinating and I thoroughly enjoyed chatting with you and learning about your career. Can you let everybody know where they can follow you and keep up with the work that you're doing? Yes. Yeah, so you can go, I always like to tell people to go to, um, my website, you can subscribe there. Um, it's www.entertainmentmindframe.com. If you want to keep up with what's going on live, you can go to my Instagram. I'd probably say that's where I'm the most active uh, or LinkedIn. Um, and you can just type in my name, Adair, A-D-A-I-R-E, last name B-Y-E-R-L-Y. And you should see Brains Behind Fame pop up. So that'll be me on Instagram and then Adair Byerly on LinkedIn. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. Make sure you guys all follow her. And we got a few more episodes left of We Need to Talk. And we'll take a break and be back with season six. Adair, thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Thank you, Melinda. Of course. And we'll talk to you again real soon. Bye. Bye.